I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching great films. But we don't get to watch as many as we used to because we're dads. So we've made a super duper podcast all about it. This is Dads on Film. Hi Greg, it's nice to see you digitally. I know. Yeah, well, it was. It is nice to see you digitally. But it was nice to see you in the flesh. In flesh. Flesh. At the weekend. Over the weekend. Yeah. Wonderful. How are you? Did you have a nice weekend? I've had a lovely weekend. Yeah. We were. We were some guy turned up at my house with his family, and we walked up a hill, <laughs> and uh, we had some food, and we had we had some know, well nice food. Yeah, we had what some good food. Tacos. Tacos. Yeah. Hey. Taco um, Tuesday. Anyway, um, I gave you I gave you a complex by pointing out things that you say frequently. Oh, like oh, I was going to stick them up on the um, <laughs> on you, my computer when you yeah. think about it. When you think um, about it, and you didn't realize you say it, and then every time no. you said it, I'd go. Hey. <laughs> and Mac, Max has been pointing it out ever since. <laughs> when you think about it, yeah. Oh, yeah so We've, all to... We've all got a thing. We've all got a. We, um, we, so yeah, yeah, there we go. But it was a lovely weekend. Lovely to see you finally since Absolutely. February, I presume. It was something yeah, it like was. that, wasn't it? It was. So, it's wow, since we saw Parasite. Um, yeah. This Friday morning looks a lot like a Tuesday evening. What do you yeah, think? I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, on this Friday morning, I'm down in Pembrokeshire, which is. Uh, <laughs> Which is it looks, why it looks like your uh, your office. <laughs> yeah, which well, this is why we're recording on a Tuesday. We're a day early this week because yeah. I'm off. I'm off camping uh, for a change. For change. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. So yeah, I may or may not be able to get as as many films in this coming week, but I'll do what I can. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, oh well. Enjoy camping, Gregory. I'm sure you will. Have we had any messages? Have we? I've done this before, this joke before. Yes, we have. Um, we yeah, we've had a load of people messaging us in with their favorite film quotes, as we asked last week for homework. So Kev messaging and said, best movie line is easy. It must be some sort of hot tub time machine. I'm guessing that's from Hot from Tub Back Time Machine. From Back to the Machine. Future. <laughs> oh, it's not from Hot Tub Time Machine. No, it is from Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, right. <laughs> it was a joke. Ah, <laughs> oh, see. Wow. Sorry. Have you not I'm seen not... Hot Tub Time Machine? I've not seen Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, it's yeah. good fun. It's good fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lever, there you go. That's a good one. Lever yeah. says, If any of you f***s move, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. you to which I replied... Wow. Running around, rubbing <laughs> backs, all whacked off the Scooby Snacks. And I don't think Lever got the fun-loving criminals reference, unfortunately. No, but oh, well. Um, Julia message, nobody puts baby in a corner. Classic from Mark, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Mark says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> you're getting all the swears today. I know, yeah. Um, Jen said, you're going to need a bigger boat. Classic. Newlyweds, Christian and Susie, have just literally messaged me hundreds um <laughs> you only get this kind of airtime if you just got married it's, i know this... yeah this is a wedding <laughs> present chris said johnny fife is alive <laughs> the f-ing catalina wine mixer what's that from step brothers oh, of course yeah okay uh, yeah. um obviously why so serious christian said it must be some sort of hot tub time machine yeah. um you want anything from the shop cornetto cornetto <laughs> yeah, love you 3000. You won't get that yet, Greg. 
And then Marty, we have to send you back, back to the future. There's quite a lot yeah. there. Um, Cheers. Have you, have you got a favorite one, Greg? I've, I've not given it a lot of thought this week. <laughs> I don't have to send myself a password at the end of, <laughs> at the end of the show. Um, yeah, very fa- true. Favorite film quotes. Oh, Christ, you can't put me on the spot like this. It's like, oh. I can't pin it down to one. There's a few that I really like. I like Forrest Gump kissing a woman for the first time and just saying she tasted like cigarettes. Yeah. Like that one. <laughs> um, although there's a lot of problematic people involved in this film, but uh, there's a really great quote from The Usual Suspect. Uh, yeah. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was trying to convince, well, was convincing the world he didn't exist. Okay. Yeah. And then one of the most profound, you know, in-depth beautiful quotes ever from a film is is i love lamp yes off uh anchorman, <laughs> from anchorman i love Vegan. lamp, lamp. That's, i feel I like i spent lamp. my whole week with steve carell because i'm just binging us office yes which is awesome yes it is yes it is other messages we've had St- uh stewart said just caught up on the eric branco episode loved the interview he had a great attitude it was a re- refreshing insight would love a chat over a taco. I really need to watch that film. Uh, Tacos, big thing tonight. I wonder what the password's going to be this week. Thanks, um, for, thanks for sending your messages. Uh, we've got more messages later on, but keep them coming. Yeah, boy. What's coming up on today's show, Greg? Well, next up, I'm going to submit my homework. I haven't seen Dead Man's Shoes. Then we've got the film news. Uh, then we're going to chat to Gordon Warneck, who was in the 1985 classic My Beautiful Laundrette. Then we're going to look at a film that came out earlier this year, uh, The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Our So Solid this week is Matilda. Then we've got The Dirty Dozen, which this week is just Inception. And then I am setting Dave some homework. Woo! So, Greg, yep. it's, it's the time. Have you done your homework? I have done my homework. I yeah, my boy. Homework last Friday night. Um, and it's something that I have always known I've needed to get around to watching uh, is Shane Meadows' Dead Man Shoes. I'm a big fan of other Shane Meadows' work, in particular all of This Is England stuff. Um, and his Stone Roses documentary as well. And uh, not least because he comes from Nottingham Way, which is where my dad and all his side of the family are from. So he's he's a proper great filmmaker. So mm. it was interesting to see um, see this. One of the sort of, this is sort of one of the things that opened up the doors, I think, for everything else he's done since. Really, uh, in a way, certainly, uh, certainly, I don't, I'm not sure this is England would have been made and had the platform it had if it wasn't for the success. No, I definitely I think, yeah, this one. He, 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 had, he had some other films before this, which were, you know, they're all very, very good films, but it, Dead Man Shoes definitely sort of uh, catapulted him, uh, pushed him forward. Yeah, 100%. exactly. Um, so if you've not seen Dead Man Shoes, it's filmed just down the road from me, actually, um, in and around Matlock in the Peak District. Um, and it, it's, it's like a film about, Midlands vigilante justice, which just yeah. you know, <laughs> it's all, it's almost like Rambo set it's, in the I'll, Midlands. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had I had down. He he goes a bit Rambo. So oh, nice, nice. It's it's Paddy Considine, and he he actually he wrote it and developed it with alongside Shane Meadows, uh, and Considine plays the lead role. This sort of it's like an anti-hero, isn't he? Uh, yeah, definitely. 
and he's called Richard, and um, he's I think he's a paratrooper, but he's he's come come back um, from the forces, uh, and he wants to avenge the abuse of his younger brother, um, who sort of was at the hands growing up of his younger brother was uh, had learning difficulties, but he was um, abused by these like drug peddling uh, at the time teenagers who are all yeah. older now, um, and it and it's sort of his his um, vengeance that plays out throughout the film mm. it's awesome yeah. it is absolutely brilliant um paddy considine i think i think i don't think he's brilliant in everything he, he's in but he's awesome in this yeah um he you, you really feel sort of the um the, the pain and hate going through his mm. veins and through his actions which are quite without giving too much away it's a gory film it's very gory. Um, it's yeah. a very gory film, um, but you can sort of, you can definitely understand his motions, and yeah. and you, the reason you understand his motions is through these amazing black and white flashbacks that you see um, of his brother, who is sort of alongside him in in present day, yeah. um, and you see these black and white flashbacks of the things they were doing to his brother, which is quite some awful stuff, some awful abuse. Yeah. Of him, uh, it's got an awesome soundtrack as well. Uh, I mean, the thing about Shea Meadows is when you watch his films, there's this sort of awkwardness to the performances of, of his cast, but it also makes it very real. It feels very natural and lifelike at the same time. So you feel you very much feel like you're in the room with them. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. With, that's true with all of the work I've seen of Shane Meadows. Uh, but having, having read into the way he works, it's, it's all to do with the way he has this relationship with the actors. He gets these amazing performances out of them and basically sets the cameras rolling and he gives them a brief outline to what's going on in the scene and he lets them just improvise. Yeah. Uh, and you can completely see that. Yeah, you can definitely you, uh, definitely feel it. Some of, the, some of the scenes where it's just like, some of the gang stood around talking or in a flat talking. It feels almost a little bit awkward, but completely natural in, in, a, in a way. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, very, it's, it's quite strange. It's more like how people yeah. actually do talk. And it's like the sort of more under your breath stuff. And it's that it's not the, you know, yeah. the quippy sort of people yeah. thinking of things to say next, which is more true to life, isn't it? However, uh, uh, Paddy Considine's character, Richard, has some fantastic lines. Yeah. Like where he just basically walks up to somebody and just to threaten, doesn't doesn't necessarily say anything too bad, but like he just puts his palm out and just says, you're there. Yeah. You know, and just points yeah, his yeah. palm. And I, I'm like, oh my God, I would not want to mess with this guy. And he just said, instead of saying like, you know, I'm going to kill you, he just goes, I'm going to hit you. I mean, it's just like little, <laughs> little threats like that. Like, wow, this guy is intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, it's really, really interesting to read more and more into the way Shane Meadows works. As I said before, yeah. we do a lot of improv with the cameras rolling, but also there's a certain fluidity to the script as well. Um, again, without giving too much away, I read that there's there's one of the gang of abusers who uh, was supposed to depart the film uh, yeah. much earlier on, but yeah. they were so impressed with his performance that while shooting, they went, no, no, we're going to keep you. 
you, yeah, we're, we're not yeah, we're yeah. not your character isn't going to depart anymore you need to be in, in yeah, more yeah. of the film sort of thing i think yeah. and, and to have that sort of humility and sort of like fluidity to to, to your work is yeah um, really really brave but it shows that it's being led by the art yeah um, definitely everything else yeah um, it's 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 a wonderful film it's a tough film to watch yeah um it, it's very, very low budget and you can tell, you know, that yeah. reflects in the way it's filmed and the choices of, you know, the gangsters driving around in a, a dolly car. Like, yeah. that's what they were yeah. called, dolly car, and things like that. But it's just got these, like, harrowing performances from Panny Constantine, as we said. He's just amazing. He, yeah. he definitely is, like, like we said, like, channeling, like, Rambo a little yeah. bit. You know, he, he's Absolutely. definitely got a bit of, like... Uh, like PTSD as well, coming back from from uh, serv- you know the service. Toby Ke- Kebble, he, I always get his name wrong. Yeah. Toby Kebble as as plays his brother. Um, he's brilliant you know he that's the first thing i saw him in and obviously he's been in so many fi- uh, films and t- you know he's in black mirror he's in um so i think he's in some of the planet of the apes films um yeah. there's loads and loads of stuff he's in but he gives such a like brilliant performance but yeah tough film to watch it's it, it's it's quite there's some gory sections it's very very sad um just brilliant what a what an amazing british film like i really well, I, can't I love, stress that enough i love this the, there's a real message to it as well about um f- forgiveness and sort of um, retribution yeah. so uh, basically sort of saying that if you, if you can't forgive and and forget if you try to avenge there's a danger that yeah. you yourself can become the monster yeah uh, definitely as well um wow. it, it really really powerful i mean yeah you say about the budget um Apparently, you know, the, the entire cast and crew were go, being transported around in a single minibus um, oh, wow. to, to shoot shoot this thing, um, yeah. which, which is awesome. Uh, first first performance, I think it was debut sort of certainly film performance from Joe Hartley, um, who in uh, Shea Meadows' later work plays Sean's mum in This Is England. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And she was awesome in this, um, in quite a small role towards the end. Um, but yeah, really, really brilliant stuff. And uh, yeah. It's quite difficult to find. We eventually found it in the depths of the <laughs> yeah. internet. You can't find it through conventional channels, but uh, you have to real dig, dig out or try and get the DVD to watch Dead Man's Shoes. Pick it up, Greg. Come on. This Ready? is... Wait. This is... The... News. News. Ah, woo. That was a jingle. <laughs> Anyway, news. Um, some cool news. They are adapting the Matilda musical into a film. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was like, what, the remake in Matilda? And then I was rereading it. I was like, actually, no, no, they're taking the stage show, which I've not seen, but apparently it's brilliant. Yes. And basically turning that into a film. So that is ace. That is brilliant. Yeah. I really want to see it. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the Matilda film yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. later on. But it's it's basic, it's it's my daughter's namesake. It's probably yeah. it's half the reason, apart from the Alt J song, why we <laughs> uh, named Matilda. Um, but oh, yeah, Craig, come on, yeah, um, that's cool that they're doing that. So that well, it could go either way because I mean, look at Cats. Yeah, but I think it's maybe a little bit. <laughs> I, you know what? I think we're gonna have to watch Cats soon, aren't we? Well, yeah. If we, if just... we go through. We'll, like, we'll wait till we've had a real positive spell of films, and then when we know we need to bring it down a bit, we'll yeah. we'll watch Cats because we. I am very intrigued, mm. a bit like you know when you want to 
look at a car accident. You know, <laughs> like yes. you can't help but look. I need. I feel like that about cats. What else um, is in the news? Not majorly surprising news. They have announced Scream Five. Woo! Ooh, I would have to catch Courtney up on Cox, two, three, Courtney Cox four. is returning. Of course Wishes. she is. Monica needs work. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's, oh, she, she's had plenty of work. <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. Um, yeah, come on. I've seen them all, believe um, it or not. I think. I think I have. I think Scream, one is, Scream 1 is brilliant. It's yeah, I've seen such Scream a good but I actually think I've then... seen more. I've seen more scary movie films than <laughs> yeah, scream yeah. films. And that says yeah. a lot. So, Scream Five. Woo! Next, next is June. Yes, or Dune. Um, may may get, it may get pushed from December because Denny Villeneuve is basically saying he is struggling to finish the film. Um, Hasn't he said that, you know, you said it's in two parts. Hasn't he said that actually the first bit that's going to get released isn't Dune, is it? I'm sure he said the first bit he's going to do is the prequel. I might be wrong. Maybe look that up. But I'm sure sure he's come out and said, actually, you know, he's doing it in two separate parts. Uh, But anyway, Denny Villeneuve is basically saying he's really struggling to meet the deadline because the remote working. So it must obviously all be the the post-production. So they're really struggling to hit that deadline. Well, if it's um, anything like my remote working software, <laughs> then I can completely understand what. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be really interesting in you know next year when things have calmed down a little bit to look back at the episode we did a few weeks ago when we were yeah. saying about the upcoming films and actually say right which ones are coming out because already um, the Janelle Monae film Antebellum has been pushed indefinitely. Um, yeah, there's an Amy Adams one that they've said now they're just going to put it straight onto Netflix. So oh, I think it's going to be very interesting. A lot of these, maybe the smaller films, I think they're just going to think, let's just shop them to Netflix and Amazon. Basically. I suppose it depends how big the budget is. If they've got a lot of money to make back, then probably the only way they can do that is by yeah. theatrical releases and holding yeah. back. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it'd be, okay. it'd be, I think it's going to be interesting to, to look back and say, well, actually, which ones came out and which ones didn't, and then yeah. were, 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 you know, have we even seen those films yet? That'll be more interesting to see. Yeah, so definitely. yeah, so not tons of news this week. I'm really looking forward to the Matilda musical. I think that'd be really cool because I've, I've always yeah. heard good, good things about the stage show. So definitely. yeah, news. cool. That was the news. Well, it's like a tasty beverage you've got there, Gregory. Oh, yeah, this is my Cloudgate coffee I've uh, just brewed up to, you know, get me through the rest of this episode. Pretty good stuff. Well, you look like you're struggling to get through the episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really poorly. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> trying. I'm what, um, what blend have you gone for? Uh, so, yeah, I've got the Columbia Medellin Excel, Excelso. Oh, uh, the Columbia Medellin Excelso. Uh, oh, nice. it's, oh yeah re- really nice stuff and um, you know I've been enjoying working through all the flavours in the selection box got you know the weekend blend everyday that's blend my fav- that's my favourite the weekend blend that's been a saviour yeah I think we were on that when you visited at the weekend yeah um, quite appropriately um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to trying the Tanzania Peaberry uh, I've had that one it's very good yeah that's, I'm really looking forward to that so I, I mean it is really really good stuff and uh, so 
that we're working with the guys at Cloudgate Coffee. If you want some coffee, some really good coffee, head to cloudgatecoffee.com. You can use the code DANCE at checkout to get 15% off your order as well. Great people, wrestling that, that, fans. They're really nice people based, based in Yorkshire. Uh, they've been listening to the show, so hi. They were, uh, they were hey guys. chatting to us about the fact that they're wrestling nerds, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so we speak about wrestling last week. So yeah, um, <laughs> cloudgatecoffee.com. 15% off if you use the code DANCE at checkout. So in 1985, a made-for-TV movie about a young Pakistani finding his way in the world whilst running a laundrette struck a chord with people at the Edinburgh Film Festival. My Beautiful Laundrette ended up an unexpected resounding international success, which is still studied by film students and appears in top film lists 35 years later. The co-lead Omar is played by Gordon Warneck, and we're really pleased to have him with us now. Gordon, hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you guys? Yeah, Yeah, we're we're great, thank you. Really, really good. Really good. So, I think 35 years on uh, since My Beautiful Laundrette came out, and it, it was this... At the time, I mean, we weren't born then, but it's, uh, <laughs> it seems like it was something that was ahead of its time in addressing, you know, Pakistani-British culture. There was some politics in there, socioeconomics. It tackles racism, sexuality. So um, it, did it feel like it was ahead of its time back then? Um, it didn't feel as though it was, uh, it was actually ahead of its time. It felt that it was, it was being made at the right time. So instead of being in the future, it's more more about the present. Um, at that time, 1985, which, as you say, you guys weren't even probably <laughs> born then, um, it was very much a society which was being led um, by Margaret Thatcher's government. And it was there was a lot of um, feeling towards from coming from the government that people should be out there making their own money, becoming uh, entrepreneurs, which is basically what the character Omar, the, the part I played in My Beautiful Laundrette, was like. Um, so, yeah, it was a very current film. There was a lot of racism going on. Um, there was a lot of disillusionment with what was going on with the working class and the lack of jobs. Um, and and it was a very powerful film. The script, should I say, was very powerful because it struck a lot of chords with, with all the actors and the crew and, of course, the audience. Um, so, obviously, as Greg said, it was made for TV, yeah. um, but it was catapulted into success and doing so catapulted, you know, your own success. So how was that? Was it expected? What do you remember from the way sort of it all took off? Um it was it was kind of strange because as you said it was it was it was made for tv we made it and we it was my first ever tv movie uh my my very first film work um made the film in 6 weeks on a very low budget working title uh were the producers behind it and that was Tim Bevan and Sarah Radcliffe um and working title after laundrette went on to make a lot of great films Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, They obviously obviously could see there was something in it. I went off and did a TV series called Boom, which again, you probably won't remember because you weren't even born then. Um, But there's uh, a TV series called Boom, and I remember being in the rehearsal room 
and getting phone calls from various friends saying that it was shown up at uh, the Edinburgh Film Festival. And Jeremy Isaacs, who at the time ran Channel 4, said, let's not put this on Channel 4, let's put it out at the cinema. So it was, wow, we were really shocked at that. Um, and we're so glad, obviously, it did. Because television, you know, you get one showing and it's finished and then it might come back on nine months later or a year later even. And it was supposed to be the inaugural film for the film four season. So that was going to be their launching film, but they said, no, let's get it on at the cinema. Um, and the rest, as I say, is history. Wow. So, so, and with that, it keeps coming up still now, I think it was in the BFI top 50 British films of the 20th century. And it keeps coming up in these lists and you keep yeah. hearing about, you know, stu students stu studying it. Is, what was it that made it resonate? Is it because, you know, it was timely then? Is it because some, it was something people needed to, needed addressing? Um, I think it was, yeah, I, th I think you hit it, hit, hit the nail on the head then. I think it was, it dealt with certain issues that did need addressing. Uh, it was to do with society, it was to do with Pakistanis living over here, trying to make a go of it. Um, as I said, it dealt up with racism and also the gay issues, of course. Um, even in 1985, um, it was still kind of swept underneath the carpets that being gay. Um, mm. I've had so many, I still get people coming up to me of a certain age and saying, thank you. I traveled all the way from, from um, Buxton. <laughs> all the way. I traveled all the way from Buxton down to London to see this film. I had to see this film. Um, at that time, I couldn't come out. I've had, honestly, so many people come up. And I feel very Brilliant. proud to have been, been part of that to help people come out. So yeah, 1985, it, the, the whole gay scene. I mean, the, the, the Thatcher government, and I can't remember the clause, it was it clause 41, I can't remember, I should remember, but they yeah. tried to put a clause through parliament where the teaching about homosexuality shouldn't take place in schools, and they really tried to whitewash the whole issue about being gay. And that was 1985, which isn't, yeah, okay, it's 35 years ago, but if you look around what was happening in the world then, it seems amazing that the government were trying to suppress uh, the whole gay rights movement. Was it a big deal to, to have the, the gay relationship? It, no, we awesome. didn't. Um, Daniel, what's his name? Daniel Day, Day <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what, I, I've no idea what <laughs> happened to him, bless him. But um, both of us, um, and everybody, we didn't really think it was a big deal. When I first read the script, I had no idea it was it dealt with, with, with the gay issue. It just made sense. It was two people falling in love, you know, whether it be two men, two, um, two women, a man and a woman or whatever. It made complete sense. And so we weren't kind of running around saying, oh, we're making a gay film. Because... People often say to me, you know, it's a great gay film, but I say, well, it's not really a gay film because it yeah. deals with so many different elements. Mm. You know, the whole political yeah. element, um, societies um, in Britain and, and the gay element. You know, it's, 
that's a, the strength of Beneath Crochet's writing. Is it's about family values. It's all sorts of things. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, I think it's it's quite good you you touched on that, especially you know the the family values and the sort of um, the ethnicity side of it as well, because you you convincingly uh, play a young Pakistani man, but interestingly enough, uh, enough you actually don't have any sort of Asian heritage, do you? Is, is no. Right? no. Funny enough, I've just been doing a lot of research into it um, for a book. Um, not about me, but I had to write a chapter about about the Windrush and indenture and what it was like growing up uh, in the 70s and 80s um, with a mother who came from the Wind, Windrush uh, generation. So my her parents, I know her grandparents came from northern India and um, her parents came over from to to uh, Guyana in South America and that's where she was born and my father was German so I've got very little Asian blood I'm as much German as I am um, Asian so when I walk in a room I've got the, I've got the German surname so that's always a good starter for a conversation <laughs> where does Warneck come from and I say well it's Warnecker actually and oh, it's right, German well. um, so you know I've always believed and it's happening now with this whole diversity issue is um, take me on for who who I am and what I can bring to the part as opposed to being the pigeonhole that you want me to be, or in that pigeonhole, should I say, and being Asian, because I'm not Asian. But I, I seem, I, I got away with it for years. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I actually got away for it for years. And being um, an actor who's a person of colour over the years, I mean, it, in yeah. terms of casting and how has casting developed i mean I, we were speaking the other week about armando Iannucci's david copperfield i don't know whether you've seen it but it, yeah i've seen it and mm. they amazing colorblind casting and it yeah. is do you think that sort of thing is important for um, actors of color or do you think it's more important for um, more roles to be written for people of color or, uh, how, which do you think sort of I think I'd, I would love to see the day when actors are just taken on for what they can bring to the part, yeah. irrespective of colour or even gender. Um, I think it's wrong at, in the same breath to give a part to somebody who may be of colour, who might not bring what is needed for that part. Yeah. Um, but they're given that part because of their colour. That, I think, is wrong as well. You know, I, th I think you, it's got to be done on merit. And the director, the producers have got to think, no, I can see, look, if you look at, you were just talking about um, David Copperfield. I mean, I mean, Dev Patel, I thought was wonderful in the part. Yeah. He was great. He brought, you know, he just brought that character to life. And, you know, I would like to think he was taken on because of what Dev Patel as a person can bring to the character. Absolutely. Yeah, he was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. His, it's his eyes, it's his eye acting. I think he's just it, it's fantastic. Great. Just lights up, yeah. lights up the room. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So you mentioned slightly earlier that Daniel chap, we don't know what happened to him, <laughs> yeah. um, but how, you know, we've got to sort of ask, how was that working with, uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis at the time? Oh, it's terrible. He was throwing his <laughs> hissy fits every, every five minutes. No, he was, he was great. Um, Daniel and I got on really well. 
um, he's got this kind of mystique about him. This, you know, people love to to talk about him and they don't know him. You know, they that's what I think happens when you're in the media's eye. People tend to assume things and they build up this this character, which really isn't you. Um, he's, he's a lovely guy. He like like everything he does he th- he threw himself into it but in real life he does support millwall football club <laughs> um he does he plays i've played football with him oh, wow. for um for one of these entertainment teams and he's really good um he's very unassuming um the story which you've probably heard was that i was i'd already landed the part and so stephen Frey's and the producers, um, Tim and Sarah, saw Daniel, um, but were very unsure of him because of his upbringing. You know, he'd been playing lead parts for the Royal Shakespeare Company. His father was poet laureate, and they just thought he's too posh for it. He's too posh. <laughs> um, so they were looking at Tim Roth and Gary Oldman. Mm. Oh wow! And yeah, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I found this out after. Um, and Daniel, and I've, 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 he's told me this, and I've heard him repeat this story in interviews and on um, in uh, magazines and so on. That he sent a letter to Stephen saying, Stephen Fraser, the director, if you don't cast me, I have friends who will come round and break your legs. And he meant it. He meant it. I read that as well. <laughs> he meant it. Yeah. And if you look at the way that Daniel has um, at the parts he's played over the years, you can see exactly why he wants to play that part. Um, so last, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't make it last year to see um, the stage adaptation of my beautiful laundrette. Obviously in that stage adaptation, you played Omar's father. Um, yeah. How did you find that? It's because it's kind of like coming full circle. Um, yeah, and working with the chap who played Omar as well, did you sort of leave him to do his own thing, or did did he work with you um, to sort of develop that role for stage? Well, when when I was first seen it, I was uh, seen seen for the part. I was a bit miffed that it wasn't the part of Omar I was being seen for. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so if it's not Omar, what part? Um, so I played the father, um, Nikolai Foster, who directed it for the Curve. I mean, I, I mean, thank God. I'm not religious, but thank God I took the park. So I wasn't sure about doing it. Um, what a big mistake that would have been if I hadn't done it. I actually yeah. read for another part and I wish them luck. And they knew that I didn't want to do it. And afterwards I walked away and I thought, I don't know, it would be nice to be involved. Then they offered me the father. So I went back and read for the father Hanif was in the room and yeah, they offered me to part that that afternoon later on when I got home. Um, As far as I was concerned, I'd like to think I was very professional in the sense that I don't think I mentioned the film once. I didn't, I didn't, I I went out for a drink with um, Omar, whose real name is Omar Selleck, for a drink before we started rehearsals and we just, talk because what that's what I like to do when I'm working on something um, and I've got a lot of scenes with somebody I tend to go out with them for, for a meal in yes. fact Daniel Day-Lewis taught me that because we went out for a curry together <laughs> before we started filming oh. and um, 
I was very impressed with him because he had a it's an Irish checkbook and he paid for the meal. And I was like, oh, wow, he's, he's got a checkbook. That's like, wow. And it's Irish as well. Um, but anyway, so I, I've actually learned from him um, right. all those years ago. It's, it's a good way to bond. So when you walk into the rehearsal room on the first day, it's not like, hi, how are you? And you've got to break the ice. You've already broken the ice. And that's important when you're going to be working with somebody intensely for uh, a few weeks. Um, I didn't, I, unless anybody asked me about anything, I didn't offer anything up. Sure. About how about the process of of the character I played thirty five years ago. It was up to the actor to find it. If you wanted to ask me, I'm fine. Yeah. But I think it would have been very wrong of me to try and impose any of my ideas how it should be played, and it works perfectly. Of course, I, and wow. it, it says a great deal about uh, the original film that you know thirty five years later it's been. It's been made in, into a into a stage show, and it, it, isn't it brilliant? Something that's still being spoken about so much. It's, it's still it's very wonderful. relevant. Wow. And that was when I had people coming up to me, kind of sidling up to me in the bar afterwards, saying, "I'd just like to say thank you. I I saw that film when I was coming out, um, and it happened in every city." So it's, yes, it does have that resonance. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, as someone who's worked on both stage and screen, then um, how do you feel about um, the f- the future of theatre, the future of uh, sort of TV and film? Do you feel positive that it's the industry is going to bounce back? Um, it's a really tough question. I don't know. I think it has to bounce back. I think the world needs theatre. It needs film. Um, What do we do? What have we been doing in lockdown? As I was talking to you just before we went on air, so so to speak, we're watching films. I'm watching loads of live performances on YouTube of theatre shows. Um, Hanif Qureshi was doing an interview as lockdown started and he said that the the, the entertainment industry, actors and actresses and writers are key workers. Absolutely. And in the toughest times, we turn to art, don't we? We turn to art. More people see theatre shows. I only found this out the other day. More people go to the theatre than they do go to football matches. Wow. Wow. You know, it says a lot. (laughs) And one of the reasons why why I'm I'm an actor is is to try and and just shine a light on different aspects of life and and to entertain people, but also in in a very small case political way you know um to show them different ideas and that i think it's so important we can learn so much from from listening and watching films and theater and and music uh, the the arts has got to survive whether or not it will is a different matter i think it will in some way yeah. but live performances won't be coming back till till the middle of next year as far as i can see and even then it'll probably be restrained yeah and uh yeah i think you kind of just summarize then what why we love doing what we're doing with this podcast here because uh this is brilliant so tell me a bit bit more about dad's dad's on film i mean i love it (laughs) it's just it's it just gives us an excuse to do what we i mean we we live a sort of like an hour and a half away from each other we don't see each other as much as we like to uh but it gives us an excuse to force force ourselves to talk to each other every week but also (laughs) um, 
watch plenty of films and just like really look in depth. It's, it's a creative output that's come as a positive result of all yeah. this madness. But then also, as we say, it's been so lovely being able to just sort of switch off, watch some good films yeah. and then speak to my mate about it. It's <laughs> great. Listen, this, this, this is a great time. Um, yeah. It was strange. I don't know about you guys. You probably want to edit all this. And I'm rambling now. But um, when I start, when lockdown started, I got all of these films out. You know, right? I want to watch this, this again, that again. And I found over the last few weeks. Okay, this is honest God's truth. Two days ago, two days ago, I watched uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yes. we did that the other week. Yeah, <laughs> and then I watched Back to the Future two yesterday. Wow. And tomorrow I'll be watching Back to the Future three. I watched the last two Marvel for you know the um, yeah and game and Endgame. Endgame. I watched yeah. those again last Brilliant. week. Um, <laughs> I watched all of the Clint Eastwood dollar oh, movies. Nah, ah, well, well, you, we you're basically talking through all, all the films with it. We've because we've done um, we went back and did um, we, we we did uh, we did the, the Ugly when Sergio uh, yeah. Leone died. But around the same time, we did the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and we did the Shootist right. as well. I mean, yeah. this is because you've. I know you've got young children, Greg. Yes. Dave, have you got yeah. young children? Yeah, I've got a three-year-old. Okay, they've got yeah. so much. They've got all the Pixar films. They've got all the Disney <laughs> films. But they'll come to a certain level. They'll start to branch out, obviously. Yeah. And wow. it's that thing that par- that dads and mums do is imparting. Yeah. You know, and he, he'll phone me up every other day. He phones me up, Dad, I don't know what to watch. Give me a film. Give me a film. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I phone yeah. him up and say, Dan, Give me a series to watch. Yeah, he yeah. usually gives me really rubbish series. But <laughs> sometimes I stick, I, I stick with them. It's always yeah. better on a recommendation, isn't it? Like, uh, it's brilliant. He'll, he'll find me up and goes, Dad, I've seen a film. You've, you'll love this film. More often than not, I don't. But I'll right. watch it because he's recommended it. Yeah. I never, ever not, not watch it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, on, on that note, we best uh, crack on and record the rest of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> you do but... that. I'm definitely going to tune in to, into oh, your podcast. You. Oh, I promise you. Thank you so much, Gordon. Um, Gordon yeah. Warnock, thank you so much for giving so much of your time so generously to yeah. speak about my beautiful That's laundry. That's all right. That's yeah. Thank fine. you very much. Take thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Love to talk to you. Take care. Wow. Yeah. So, what a lovely Gordon. guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely I, I, lovely guy. I've, as, as Gordon alluded to, I've, I've known Gordon for many years and uh, he's a good friend of the family, but it was, it was really nice of him to uh, give his time up on this fine Friday morning. <laughs> to, uh, to chat to us about a film that you know is still really but, significant but also not just talk to us about the film just have a good chat yeah. <laughs> you may not well all of the interview may not have made the podcast but we've just been talking away to gordon for <laughs> ages just about films and just yeah what a guy what a really really nice guy yeah, fantastic guy. And um, yeah, if, if you've not seen My Beautiful Laundrette, you can you can go to Amazon Prime and rent it for like 99p. Uh, it's it's a really significant film because, I mean, not not only does it have Daniel Day-Lewis in, um, it was the first, as Gordon mentioned, it's it was the first film, I think, for Working Title, who went on to produce so many films afterwards in recent yeah. years. Um, I think Four Weddings, he mentioned. Yeah, Good Shaun of the work. Dead, one of our favourite films. Shaun of the Dead, yeah. Yeah. Um, and loads, time, loads of others. Loads of films, loads of films. Yeah, and um, Hans Zimmer produced the soundtrack, yeah. weirdly as well, which I yeah. found bizarre. Um, I mean... 
as we spoke about it, it was shot for TV. So it, you can tell it was shot on 16 millimeter. Uh, yeah. And you can definitely tell it's got that sort of TV feel to it. Yeah, it, definitely. Definitely. But, but I think the significance is in, in the themes and, um, like we discussed it being timely and the, the issues that it sort of um, addressed. It doesn't so much, it's not that bothered about having a plot with an agenda. What it does yeah. is it gives you a real sense of the people living in that time to be mm. British Pakistani and to, yeah. to have that sort of like entrepreneur, entrepreneurial sort of spirit in those, yeah. in, in, in those sort of like socioeconomic times. Um, it's, it's, it's really worth seeing. Um, yeah. So directed by Stephen Frears, who, who went on to direct uh, Dangerous Liaisons, Philomena, The Queen, you know, so he's, he's had a very, very prestigious career. Um, I think it's really interesting. You know what I really liked about it? It tackles these quite, um, quite serious subjects, but actually it did have quite a lighthearted uh, approach to it. And as, especially Omar, the main character who, who Gordon plays, he has this very... Um, he's very positive throughout, I, I found. Yeah. Although, like, you know, his, his dad is basically a bedridden alcoholic. Um, his uncle is an adulterer, you know, that he knows yeah. about. He's getting, you know, he's, there's some loads of dodgy stuff going on with, you know, a potential business partner and things like that. But he does tend to stay quite positive throughout it, which was yeah. really, really nice. I also liked how it, it didn't make a huge sort of, it's hard to explain. When when Omar and Johnny, who is played by Daniel Day Lewis, when they like first kiss the first time, it's not like a a big deal to them. No. Did, did you find that it was just like a you know it didn't make this big you know this big fanfare over it. It was like they're just two gay men who who you know um, yeah you know they, uh, they, at this point have feelings for each other, and it just kind of goes on like that. It doesn't actually put a huge um, focus on the actual the the the, the sexuality part of it. If that well, makes well sense. I think that's true for all the themes as well. Is it it, it 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 invites opinion, but it doesn't yeah. tell you what to think about anything. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's it, yeah, it's it's very subtle. It's very sort of like it presents for you the the um, you know you've got the fascists and the socialists yeah. and 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 they are there and they're, they're in the film and and it shows you what happens, but it never tells you which way you should be, you know, looking and yeah, sort of yeah, for which opinion you should, you should be forming. It leaves that up to the viewer. It is, it, it is really worth a watch. It's a, it's a really interesting film. And like I said, still so relevant now. Um, it, it's, it's amazing that it's sort of stood the test of time, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And just watch it alone for Daniel Day-Lewis's hair. <laughs> Some very interesting uh, frosted Peroxides. tips. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But yeah, um, my beautiful laundrette, definitely worth checking out. So, Greg and I thought we're just going to be honest about this. There are new films out this week and some cinemas have opened, but <laughs> just didn't, re- didn't really fancy them. <laughs> no. honest about it. So, there was one film that me, uh, Greg and I have not got around to watching, which has divided audiences it's caused quite a stir 
and we really wanted to watch it. So we thought, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give it a watch this week. And that is The Lighthouse. It's Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, uh, which came out at the end of last year, early 2020 for, for the UK. Um, Robert Eggers has got an interesting career so far. His other main film that he uh, has, has directed is called The Witch, which came out maybe two years ago. Uh, and is this very, very off psychological thriller, almost a horror and you can definitely tell from watching, from what I've seen of that film, I've not seen it all, I will, I will hold my hands up. But from, from seeing that, you can definitely tell he's directed this. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's not very deep saying that, but he's definitely got a particular style. Let's just okay. put it that way. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically this film is set in the 1890s in... Um, I think it's, well, they filmed it in Nova Scotia, didn't they, Greg? I think I'm not exactly sure where it's supposed to be set, but sort of... They never really say, no. Yeah, an island off America. And it's basically two lighthouse keepers played by Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Um, Willem Dafoe has been there for a while, hasn't he? I think it's his lighthouse. Um, And Robert Pattinson is is a new sort of uh, recruit, I suppose. Yeah, he's 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 come in to do this four week watch with him as yeah. Willem Willem Dafoe's sort of hand, if you like, to sort of maintain the mechanics of the lighthouse and yeah, uh, you know, um, keep keep it all orderly. And it's basically a film about these four weeks of these two men isolated yeah. on this lighthouse and what it can do to them psychologically, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, and. Um, well, you, you you can imagine you can imagine which way which way it goes, and mm. it, it goes a very dark path. It, I I've not, never seen anything like it. First of all, it's worth saying it's it's shot it, it's almost square. I think it's one point one nine to one. Yes, uh, yeah, it yeah, which is it's it's an old ratio that's called movie tone, which I think yeah. it was it was used for the sort of sort of nineteen thirties when sound first started to come into cinema. Yeah. Um, and it's to do with the way they sort of overlaid the soundtrack onto the film. So it's this it looked very strange at first. It's almost like an Instagram very square ratio. <laughs> and it's shot in it's shot what I will say it's shot in absolutely beautiful black and white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. that you know it, it completely gives these these tones and these contrasts that sort of put you into this world of this um diminishing mental state that these guys yeah. are going through over the time they're there um i i watched it so basically in order to get all my films in this week <laughs> uh, regular list of ben was in town so we uh, we went to the pub uh, <laughs> la- la- last night it was and uh got to 10 o'clock and i said right well um I've got to get back because I need to watch a film tonight to get yeah. it before the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm keen for that. So he came back <laughs> and watched it with me. And it was really, really great to have the company of um, so, someone, because <laughs> I watch most of the films on my own, but to have someone <laughs> sitting, sitting, yeah, sitting yeah. there watching a film with me. And, um, uh, and, and I know we'll be listening, but we, but we both finished, finished it and, I felt it's a very. I'm not comparing it to Parasite because they're two very yeah. different films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it left me in a very similar state of going, "What have I just seen?" And yeah. not having a clue whether I liked it or not. Twenty four hours later, and we're not even twenty four hours later yet. I, I, I'm starting to conclude that I did like it because it's <laughs> it's made me feel yeah so much 
and I keep thinking about it. It's there, sort of like go around my head. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go back and watch it again because I think yeah. there's there there's so much thematically that is there to get out of it. I think. Yeah, and a bit reading into a bit, a bit, uh, a bit reading into it a bit since you know, so, uh, I did some Greek mythology in there. Yeah, yeah, idea, yeah. Bit looking at sexuality, uh, you know, and as well as the obvious themes of sort of like isolation and you know. Mm. It's quite timely, really, and the, what yeah, it, yeah, that, definitely. what that can do to you and and your mind. Mm. Um, I mean, there is a sort of supernatural element to it as well. Well, is there? Is, is it? Is there? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. Um, what, I mean, what one thing that does happen is as part of these four weeks. I think it's. I say it's coming to the end of the four weeks, but part of it part of the thing about it is they they don't have a concept of time at one point yeah, they, they think they've been there do not know they, they supposedly been there four weeks and they think they've been there for two days yeah um, they lose their sense of identity they actually start yeah. switching identities at one point yeah but there's <laughs> there's a storm that completely um wipes out all of their supplies and they turn to the rations, and the rations turns out to just be booze. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was part of it. Part of me was like, "Yeah, I think I could do that." <laughs> There's, it's, it's it's worth noting. This isn't like a horror film. It's not a standard horror film. No. It's not a standard thriller. Don't go into this film thinking you're going to be watching like some sort of slasher film based in a lighthouse. It is not that. No at all well um, the, the cast is i think solely those two i mean you see the other watch there's, coming there's away four, as there's walking. four characters in it um there is those oh, the two mermaid. They, don't give it away there is an aquatic lady uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna say what it is but it's it's part some female mon- part some, fish there's just so much i love you know I, like you said it kind of took me a while to for it to sort of settle. And I think it's probably worth us later on sharing the pictures on Instagram of, I sent Greg a picture of my face just after I'd watched it. And it was just sheer like dread. <laughs> like Just like, it takes something, weird. From, it takes something yeah. from your soul. But then Greg and regular listener Ben um, sent me theirs as well. So I'll let, let's share those. Um, I think I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Now, I, I, I walked away from it and I was like, whoa, what the hell was that? But now I'm like, that was awesome. It's so yeah. weird. It's so beautifully weird. Yeah. It was just perfect. I think there's, there's so many cool things in it. The lighthouse gives off this like crazy, like fog almost horn. like siren foghorn thing that is literally there all the way through the film. Yeah. And it just goes through you. This no, it's almost like the War of the Worlds, you know, like the siren thing that the like that the like the tripods give off. It's just this horrible, horrible, like soul crushing <laughs> noise. It's, it's but it's this like foreboding, like dread that calls out. Oh, it's 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 wonderful. Um, I loved how just everything was weathered. I felt tired and cold watching this film yeah. do you know what i mean and I, I just looking at robert pattinson and let's just i think it's worth just noting robert pattinson is incredible 
Amazing. In this film. I've never seen him in a film like this. I've always thought he was quite a good actor. I'm going to hold my hands up. I didn't mind the Twilight films. I thought he was probably the better thing about them. And he's been in some pretty cool films since, but he's yeah. not done a film like this. And it is amazing. It for makes me very from excited this, for the Batman. Yeah. From this to, he's got um, uh, Tenet obviously coming out. Yeah. Um, he's got this new one, this other one's going on to Netflix with Tom Holland and then basically the Batman. And whoa. What a, like what a career this guy has had now, like turning it around a little bit from you know Harry Potter and Twilight. There's uh, some with, there's some really but, interesting stuff to read as well about the way that him and Willem Dafoe worked on set. Yeah, I've found read it, this, I think I've said so. The they same found thing. it so exhausting to yeah, be yeah, together yeah. on set that they had to be apart when the yeah. when the cameras cut. Um, Willem Dafoe is just having a ball yeah. as this <laughs> snarling madman. Like he's he's inc- like he's brilliant. But just like jumping back to Pattinson, he's got this like intensity or like he's got this like glare in his eyes like bulging eyes I don't know if he and he's 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 got this look in a lot of films but in this and I don't know whether it's because of the black and white he is just a madman in this film like you can just see him just snap and as soon as he gets there he starts going a bit crazy and things like that but there's a point where his eyes just start bulging (laughs) and that's it for the the rest of the film yeah, it, I just can't explain. It's it's fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's it, so good. It's it's exhausting to watch. And even just even just talking about it, it makes it makes me enjoy it retrospectively even yeah. more. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to go back and see it. Um, and again, I said about the way it's shot. I think you could you could pause the film at any point, and any one frame in this film would be a beautiful black and white yeah. photograph. Well, it's very, very interesting you say that. There's a load of, quite well, not famous, but there's loads of paintings, like from, I don't know, like the 19th century or something like that, that are all very like nautical themed, you know, a lot of like sirens and mermaids and all this sort of stuff. And they actually got a lot of these paintings and went, right, we're going to recreate that image in the film. Right, so oh, the, well. I'm not going to say what it is, but the very, very last image, okay, last yeah, yeah. shot of the film, yeah, yeah? yeah, 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 with, yeah. it involves birds. Yeah, that is a painting. Ah, cool. Okay, and brilliant. they basically looked at that painting. Right, how can we get to there? Amazing. And yeah, oh, it it's the whole thing. It's deeply disturbing. Yeah, there's some things you will never unsee. There's some things you'll never un- like unhear, if that is a yes. word. Yeah. There's yeah. there's another cool thing I noted as well, which is like a lot of the sounds in the film. So whether it's like the 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 horn, you know, the foghorn of the lighthouse, or whether it's actually some part of like the the soundtrack, you know, the the music. Whenever there's a noise, they all react to it. I don't know if you picked on oh, that. Okay. And even if it it's not actually there and it's part of the you know the orchestra or whatever like that, let's say the strings do a big noise. The actors will turn and look and you're like, can they hear that? Oh, it's just okay. this, this really... Uh, Immersiveness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Um, last point I want to make, and I don't, if this doesn't persuade you to watch the film, I don't know what will. I never thought I would see Robert Pattinson beat a seagull to death. <laughs> yes. And I'm sold. <laughs> it is brutal. Can I just say... Halfway through that sentence, I thought you were going to say something very different, which would also be true. <laughs> I'm glad you went for what you said, but yeah. <laughs> well, that as well. <laughs> wow, wow. The Lighthouse. <laughs> Where can we watch The Lighthouse, Greg? <laughs> uh, the Lighthouse is available to rent on Amazon, 
Apple TV, Sky Store, BFI player, and you can buy it as well for $9.99. What did regular listener Ben think? Regular listener Ben. So regular listener Ben uh, took a lovely 1am walk home after he watched this with me and sent me some really nice, as he said, um, lighthouse-inspired black and white shots of our hometown uh, on his way home. And um, along with those lovely pictures, he says, I reckon that film was a bit like running a marathon. It's a great achievement in itself, but you wouldn't particularly wish it upon anybody. Um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly not an enjoyable, light-hearted watch, is it? It's, no, you know, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, again... Can't stress it enough. And I don't really think it was marketed that way, but don't go in thinking you're just watching like a Robert Pattinson horror film. It is not that film. <laughs> but wow. Now more than ever, I want other people to see this and let us know what yeah. they think about it. Um, so please, please go and see it. Like I say, you rent it £3.50 on most services. Buy it for a tenner. Um, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I bought it because I'm going to go back and watch yeah. it. Again and again. Yeah, I'm getting the DVD sent to me as well. Um, really really cool Um, so let us know we'll chat about it next week PG Tips. So this week's So Solid You is Danny DeVito's 1996 classic I suppose Um, Matilda based on the brilliant Roald Dahl book um what do we think greg matilda i've i've always absolutely loved this film um I, I suppose i must have watched it when it first came out so i must have been about eight years old when it came out i mean i grew up reading every single Roald Dahl book yeah going. um and you know and uh, uh, most most of the good books have been made into films uh yeah. now i think um some of them more than once um <laughs> yeah but this was pretty special um i mean it, it it was around around that time uh marla wilson was in i don't know what came <laughs> first i think miracle on 34th street came before this possibly uh, out fire yeah but what a brilliant young actress unbelievable yeah. um but the story is just so lovely obviously with any roald doll film there's or Roald Dahl story, rather, should I say. There's yeah. a lot of darkness in there as well. There's yeah. a lot of, yeah. you know. Um, I, I even may say that, you know, some of the stuff in Roald Dahl books wouldn't be written for children now, I don't think. No, um, no, definitely not. Yeah, I, <laughs> this, this girl has been, she's picked up from the hospital at birth. It's the wrong baby, isn't she, I think? Isn't yeah, I think, right? I think it's kind of what it's insinuates, yeah. Yeah, so she's very different from her sort of crooked parents. Um, played brilliantly by um, Danny DeVito and his wife Rhea Perlman, yeah. um, who are just are just wicked, and they've got all terrible, <laughs> terrible morals. Um, ter- you know, terrible outlook on life. You know, completely selfish, selfish uh, in it for themselves. You know, he's a car dealer who just you know clocks cars, um, <laughs> super glues bumpers on, and sends yeah. them out without care. You know, whilst Matilda's going, "Daddy, you're a crook. You're a crook. And she all she wants to do is read books, and yeah. you know, they say to her. I'm big, you're small, I'm smart, you're <laughs> dumb. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And then um, it's and then she's very she's very 
confident but lonely until she gets to school and finds someone who is sort of her what's the word like not soulmate i'm thinking kind of um it's a word i'm looking for that i've not got you know she, she resonates with yeah um, yeah she's got a synergy with um, this teacher she has miss honey um and it's the, the roll doll world is is amazing the, yeah. what, what he creates because it's all based in our world. Well, most of the stuff that's in Roald Dahl's stories is based in our world, but it's just like this beautiful childhood angle of right and wrong and good and yeah. evil, and, yeah. uh, but with a sort of fantastical element to it as well. And what I sort of got from it, and especially this film more than a lot of the other adaptations, well, some of the other adaptations of Roald Dahl's work, it captures the sort of oddness of Roald Dahl's world. Because as you say, it's not, it is our world, but it's just slightly on an angle. Let's sort of yeah. put it that way. Um, like there's something not quite right, but it, there's almost like um, a grotesqueness to it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. So like Trunchbull, you're looking at Trunchbull, she's quite vile. It sounds nice, but she's quite vile to look at. She snarls yeah, yeah, and um, everything's very, like, and as I say, the film does it perfectly. Everything's very, you know, the colours they use like, in, in the Wormwood's house, everything's like sort of slime green and, you know, yeah. and things like and that. that even, like, even like the Bruce Bogtrotter, like, cake scene yeah. as well. It's like, it makes you feel a bit ill yeah, uh, as well. Which I, I think like this grotesqueness, it's only, so I think it's only really been done well or in other um uh, Roald Dahl adaptations. The, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's that's not its name. Um, but the original one with Gene Wilder. Yeah. I think yeah. That I don't. I actually don't like watching that film. It kind of creeps me out a little bit. But I think yeah. that's kind of the it point. It captures it. Um, yeah. The witches, like yeah. <laughs> that's grotesque. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Amazing. But which hasn't really been done since. Uh, Steve Spielberg didn't quite get it right with BFG. No. And Tim Burton did not get it anywhere near with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yep. which was just terrible. Um, so, and you know, obviously there's been other ones, you know, James and the Giant Peach, which was more like a, a animation, wasn't it? Yeah. That, was, but yeah. that was good. Um, but this just gets it perfectly. Danny DeVito just nails it perfectly with the direction. It's, it's this grotesqueness. It's this, everything's slightly larger or smaller than it should be. Hence, yeah. Trunchbull is ginormous and her dad is Danny DeVito. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's got, um, it's got like a griminess to it. It's, gr yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the surfaces yeah, yeah. and it's, just... and even like the, I, I always remember the TV show that you watch where it's like, gets yes. sticky with Mickey oh, or something. And it's yeah. like, they, they put a guy in a, in a, almost like a shower, cover him in slime and then throw money at him. It's just the whole thing. It's, it's, it's sensory, isn't it? Yeah, in like yeah. an uncomfortable way. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh, but it's quite uncomfortable watching it. But then that sparse contrast with like Miss Honey's house and everything's lovely. And, you know, and then when she's with her friends, she's in like, you know, out in the woods and it's all really picturesque. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's bro. Fun fact, the painting of Miss Honey's dad uh, Magnus is Roald yes. Dahl. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, cool. That. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I just love it. It's such a great family film. It's not a kid's film, a family film that all the family will definitely enjoy. What, are the, what do the kids think about it? Oh, oh wait, hang on a sec. Drops his phone, everybody. Right. 
it was good and I just want to tell you that. I liked it because Matilda saved the day. It was a little bit scary and the bad guy was never seen again. That's all I want to tell you. Anything you want to say? Mm, I don't know. She's a teacher and she's just like my teacher because she's nice and looks pretty. That's all I want to tell you. I think so she's, the character yeah. of Matilda is my second favourite Matilda. Oh, that's nice of you to say. There you go. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, so yeah, Matilda, if you want to watch Matilda, if you haven't done already, and I think most people... I'm sure you've seen Matilda. Will have seen Matilda. If you want to re-watch Matilda, it's on, uh, it's on Now TV and Sky Cinema at the moment, but you can also rent it on Amazon and Apple TV. So this week we asked you to vote for your film of choice for this week's Dirty Dozen. Your options were... Well, it was Leo versus Leo, wasn't it, Greg? So we had Inception versus The Wolf of Wall Street. And which one, Greg? Inception won with 52%. And as we all know, 52% is binding now. And, you know, it's the the will of the people. Yeah. And apparently the other 40% have to stop moaning about it because it was democratic and Inception won. Okay, I, I feel like you're talking about something else, though. <laughs> I speak about Inception versus Wolf of Wall Street. Anyway, uh, as it happens, I'm quite happy that Inception won. I do like. I think Wolf of Wall Street is a brilliant film. It's I've too not long. seen it. I've only seen it once, and that's because it's too long. Uh, mm. Yeah. Um, so, shall I kick things off with my? If you want to, yeah, go for 12 it. Twelve-word review of Inception. Um, I went for beautifully executed sci-fi spectacle. Still spins around my mind, or yeah. does it? Oh, mine isn't quite as as cool as yours. Here's mine. Nolan's epic tribute to Bond. Please don't wake me from this dream. <sighs> Lovely. Of course, I was going to say dream. Of course, I was going to say bloody dream. Yeah, of course. So Rick messaged in and said, here's 12-word review. Incredible. Remember reminiscing Goldeneye when they got to Dream 3? Truly brilliant. I like that. Dream 3, it's like a level. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, nice. So that's like, that's like the snow yeah, 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 escape, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, Rick carried on saying, legitimately though, Inception is one of the best films ever made. I think it may be my joint number one with The Dark Knight. Um, wow. Uh, wow. I mean, you're wrong because The Dark Knight stands head and shoulders above Inception. <laughs> And that's just a fact. Um, but thanks for, thanks for your input. And plus it was more than 12 words, Rick. So that's what happens. That, that's what happens void. when you go over the limit. You're getting things wrong. <laughs> so let us know your thoughts on Inception. Send us your Dirty Dozen 12-word review. And don't forget to have a look on social media this week to vote for your pick for next week's film. Send me some homework, Greggles. I'm going to confuse you. Oh, wow. So, you know... It's not going to be difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know the other week I set you some homework called... Yeah, well, you know the other week I set you some homework called Sometimes, Always, Never. Uh, And another one I've mentioned recently that came out this year, it's um, like an American-British gritty drama uh, called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. (laughs) 
I'm okay. so confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's directed by Eliza Hitman, and uh, it's it's about these it's about this girl, um, sort of teenage girl, and her cousin, um, and she basically fall, falls pregnant, and she lives in a state whereby it's very difficult uh, to get a termination uh, without your parents' involvement, and it's like very conservative sort of, sort of laws in that state. So um, they travel together to New York to um, terminate this pregnancy. Um, but it's it's that's the plot but it's so much more about the relationship um between these two amazing lead girls um sydney flanagan who who plays the who plays the lead role of autumn is just incredible and it's just a really tender sort of beautiful look at the relationship between these two i think you'll really like it i'm really interested to sort of speak to you about it see what you think yeah Yeah, it's really cool where can I watch it, Greg? You can see Never Really Sometimes Always, where you can rent it on Amazon, YouTube, Apple TV, etc. for, you know, £3.50 to £5-ish, uh, and you can buy it as well. Amazing. So there we go, episode nine. We're getting yeah. closer to ten. I know. Obviously, because nine is what one before <laughs> ten. <laughs> Due to the linear nature of number sequences. <laughs> All right, good. Thanks. I'm very warm. It's really hot in here. I yeah. look so red. My face is bright red. Anyway. You look fine to me. Um, yeah, Thank that you. was. I, Thank I, you. I quite, I've quite enjoyed today. Some quite sort of like really nice sort of in-depth stuff to get our teeth mm. into, sort of thing. Definitely. So we've Definitely. had we've had three really cool interviews on the bounce now. Yeah, uh, it's been pretty ace. Yeah, boy. What you if, you would, if you would like to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this week, what am I doing? Not much um, right now. Yeah, we're going to go and see some friends, I think, at the weekend, potentially. Um, cool. Depending on weather and depending on lockdowns and all this crap. So, yeah. yeah. Better cool. not dwell on that too much. So where are we going camping, Greg? Talk me through um, it. Right now on this Friday morning, I am, <laughs> uh, I'm in South Wales. I'm in uh, Pembrokeshire, um, which is where, where I used to go as a kid all the time. And now we're going down with our kids. Uh, although Amazing. we didn't camp when I was a kid. We had we had brick walls. <laughs> we, we used to go on holiday. So these poor kids of mine have to put up with these We've just looked at the forecast for when we're setting up as well tomorrow. And it's yeah. dry, but it's like 25 miles an hour wind, which oh. is, I'd rather it be chucking it down, I think. But, <laughs> you know. Four, four and five-year-olds are not going to be particularly helpful. <laughs> no. <it> up. <laughs> they are the antithesis of help, helpful when you're trying to put a tent up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it should be fun. We're going with some friends, regular listeners, Stu. Um, yeah. We've got two regular listeners, Stu's actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, on Maui, and uh, yeah, it'll be, it should be good. For, it's supposed to have some nice sunny spells. We're going to um, this this place called the. Di- it used to be called Great Wedlock Dinosaur Experience, and now it's called like Tembi Dinosaur Park. Um, so, um, <laughs> but I I went there when I was about seven or eight. And the reason I went there is because I was interviewed for um, a satellite channel 
called the Children's Channel. So I was on TV being interviewed by the late Mark Spate. Uh, I had to play the yes and no game. And for successfully getting through the yes and no game, I got free tickets to this dinosaur park that we're going back to on Friday. So, yeah, That's amazing. Cool. Mark Spate from yeah. Smart. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Password for this week, Greg, what are we thinking? Let's just go for tacos, shall we? Tacos! Tacos! Send us your taco! It's actually, we recorded <laughs> this on Taco Tuesday, aren't we? Yeah, we did. I didn't have tacos, though. Um, yeah, there we go. Wonderful. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you again to Gordon for uh, giving us his time and having a really, really good conversation with us. Um, about my beautiful laundry, but also just about films in general. It was really nice to see somebody just as passionate as us and you know chatting away about films don't forget to have a look at this week's sponsor guys which is cloudgate coffee uh head over to the website cloudgatecoffee.com and for 15 percent discount use the code dads yeah right well we'll be back next week for episode 10 um, wow yeah and we've we no i'm not doing it <laughs> send feel free i mean we, we'll invite the invite these i don't even care send us send us your send us our your episode 10 best wishes yeah, definitely. And I think we need to do something special, Greg. I don't know what. It's either getting bladdered or we have some sort of cool, big, grand topic which yeah. we need to decide. Maybe well, on air isn't, isn't really the time to decide when no. <laughs> we do that. So we'll have a think about I, it. I quite like the thought of getting blind drunk. But yeah, we could not, do a proper... I mean, right now on this Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a cop-out and just do like a, a one of the best of episodes where we just like introduce it at the start and go, now play some clips. No, because I'll have to bloody edit it, that's all. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. We will be here. Yeah, fresh we material. Will. Definitely. Um, I tell you, who doesn't have fresh material? 